Good evening. Let you all get settled in. It's good to see you guys. Staying warm. Welcome to Wednesday Evening Chapel. It is week 10 in our 11-week term. Did you guys know that? Give yourselves a hand for making it this far. Is it week 9? I thought it was week 10. See, that's why I'm not in, that's not why, that's why I'm not taking classes. Oh, okay, see, I thought it'd scare you a little bit. It is our privilege to have Pastor uh, Ronnie Wilson with us this evening. He's also, he also serves as adjunct professor here in theology here at Nazarene Bible College. So if you can please welcome him. Pastor Ronnie. Let us stand this, this evening as we say our theme together. Let us stand. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Pray with me a little bit, okay? God, it is our desire to trust in you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. and she's a small. <laughs> I'm kidding around, of course. Yes. Um. Okay, let's see here. Oh, I'm sorry, we have no midsize available at the moment. I don't understand, I made a reservation. Do you have my reservation? Oh, yes, we do. Unfortunately, we ran out of cars. But the reservation keeps the car here. That's why you have the reservations. I know why we have reservations. I don't think you do. <laughs> If you did, I'd have a car. <laughs> See, you know how to take the reservation, you just don't know how to hold the reservation. And that's really the most important part of the reservation, the holding. Anybody can just take them. Let me uh, speak with my supervisor. Uh, here we go. Well, my wife saw this, and I told her I was going to share that here at the Bible College. She thought it was crazy, first of all. But she said she couldn't even laugh at that because it's happened to us too many times. It's all too true. And the fact of the matter is, I don't know how many times I've rented a car and I've gone online and I've picked out the exact car that I wanted, uh, the exact color, the whole deal, and I show up and they don't have anything like that. All they have is something about the size of an Easter egg that not even I can fit into. And uh, that's just the way it works. But the reality is, friend, we do want our reservations to be honored. We want our appointments to be guaranteed. And in an uncertain world, friends, we want certainty. Now, is that too much to ask for? Well, I'm glad you asked, because the title of this evening's message is The Uncertain Certainty of Love. And we'll look together at Exodus chapter 33, verses 12 through 23. Well, when I was a youth pastor in Oklahoma City area, and I was a youth pastor for about a dozen years or so, uh, my wife and I, every year, we would take a group of students down to Dallas, Texas. And uh, we would go there to Six Flags. And I could not wait that one particular year to go because the, that year's attraction, the newest ride on the block that had just opened up, was called the Titan. 
and I was certain that I wanted to ride the Titan. That is, until I arrived. And I stood in line, and I looked at the Titan. Because the Titan is over 255 feet tall, with speeds exceeding 85 miles an hour, a 120-foot underground tunnel. But you don't recognize it. You think you just black out for a second. And uh, then one spiral, a camelback hill, and a carousel curve. But so that you know that it's 100% safe, there's 2.8 million pounds of steel used in supports there. Well, I did ride it. I did not conquer this ride. This ride conquered me. In fact, it was on the spiral part when somehow my head got jerked over and I could not lift it back straight. Couldn't even get my hands up to lift my head straight and it sat like that for about two weeks or so. Uh, but friends, whether it be the newest roller coaster ride at the amusement park or the far more frightening roller coaster of life, the truth of the matter is it's amazing just how fast we can go from complete certainty about something and the very next minute we are completely uncertain. And of course this is true in relationships. In fact, we might desperately want certainty in our relationships, but if certainty is what we seek today, we might have to forfeit the most important thing in all relationships, and that is love. Well, what do I mean by this? Well, love cannot be coerced or forced on anyone. Love can't be manipulated or else it ceases to be love, which necessarily makes love vulnerable. It makes love uncertain. In other words, as much as we can be devoted to someone, as much as we can be faithful to someone, as much as we can be genuine with another person, we cannot guarantee that that person's response to our love will be reciprocated. Now, of course, we hope that it will, but we cannot force our love on anyone else or else it ceases to be love. And so, as much as I might want Dr. King to love me, and I can do everything that I can to make this wonderful man love me, there's no guarantee that he's going to do that. In fact, if I love him with all that I've got, but he doesn't love me in return, that's not a love relationship. That's a stalking relationship. <laughs> and uh, Brother Alma, ask, just, just return my calls, please. That's all I'm asking for. And so in our relationships and wherever love is to be found, we live with uncertain certainty. And so today, in our life-shaping and potentially life-altering story, from God's good word, we are invited to exchange our need for certainty for something so much better, for love, the gracious presence of our God. So let's take a look together, Exodus chapter 33, beginning with verse 12. Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people 
from all the other people on the face of the earth. And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Then Moses said, Now show me your glory. The word of the Lord for us this evening. Well, this is an incredible moment in history. Moses is having a heart-to-heart -heart moment with God. And the reason, of course, is because Moses has got to know, are you with us or aren't you? You see, God is angry. God is hurt. God is frustrated with the Israelites, and for good reason. You might recall the whole golden calf incident. But of course, make no mistake, friends, the issue isn't just that the Israelites broke a commandment and made an idol for themselves to worship, but the issue is much deeper. They had denied God's love in exchange for certainty, or at least an attempt at certainty. Remember, friends, they had wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, not to mention a lifetime of Egyptian slavery. And they had absolutely nothing. And this nothing includes certainty. Take a look at Exodus 32, verse 1 and 4. As for this fellow Moses, who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. He, Aaron, took what they handed him and made it into an idol, cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. Then they said, These are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. So now the Israelites have certainty, right? Now they don't have to wonder any longer where God is. If they want to see God, they need only look right there at the big shiny golden thing. They can see God whenever they want to. In fact, the purpose and function of worship to this idol is in fact coercive and manipulative. It's designed to produce a certain kind of outcome. And so, they would perform uh, very specific rituals before this idol in hopes that they would find their desired outcome of whatever that might look like for them. But friend, the reality is, all they actually accomplished here is they drove a wedge even deeper between themselves and the one true God. And so, of course, God is angry. God is hurt. Because God brought these people up out of Egyptian slavery. God cared for these people. God protected them. He provided for them. And God loved them. And what was it that God got in return for all of this? Well, they decided to erase God from their memory. They decided that they would just move on. Because they chose certainty instead of love. And so, Moses is uncertain about the future of this relationship. He's very concerned about it, and he wants to know, is it over, or is God committed? And so, Moses asks, and of course, God, his response seems very positive here. Take a look again at verse 14. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Seems like a very positive thing, but friend, this promise of God is very personal. God is saying to Moses, I am with you. I will give you rest. I will be with you. But friend, this is not enough for Moses because Moses isn't just concerned for himself. He needs to know that this promise extends to God's people. 
verse 15 and 16 again. If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me from, and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? So you know, even the most confident of folks among us struggle with issues of uncertainty. And this includes even accomplished athletes. Uh, one of the things I suppose that I really enjoy about sports is the fact that athletes face adversity every single day of their lives. When I was a young man, my dad uh, was the president of a management association in Atlanta. And from time to time, he would invite me to go to these functions, these meetings uh, with him. And as a young guy, you know, I would only go if I was interested at all in the person that happened to be speaking that day, whoever the keynote was. And uh, in this case, it happened to be an Olympic medalist. And so I accepted my dad's invitation to go and, and uh, see this person. And this was Janine Vickers. And Janine Vickers medaled in the 400-meter hurdles in the 1992 Barcelona Olympic Games. And this very month, she will be inducted into the UCLA Athletics Hall of Fame. Now, at the time, I was an aspiring runner. Uh, I ran all the time. I don't know what I was. I was like Forrest Gump, I guess. I don't know. And uh, my dad was a runner, and so that's why I got involved in running, I suppose. Uh, these days, you know, I just don't run unless somebody's chasing me with a knife, you know. Uh, and as a theology professor, that actually happens more than you might think. Uh, but I, I try not to uh, run too much these days. But back then, I was an aspiring runner, and, uh, and I was excited. I could not wait to meet this Olympic athlete and ask questions and that kind of thing. And so while I was sitting there at the table, I noticed that Janine didn't have anything on her plate that I had even saw, you know, on the, on the bar at all. Uh, you know, my plate was full. And so that started me asking questions. Apparently, she had brought her own meal. And so I learned a lot very quickly about what it takes to win Olympic medals. In fact, what I learned is that winning a medal doesn't happen on the track the day of the race, but it happens every day of our lives. Janine Vickers shared with me about adversity, doubts that she had, injuries, pain, strict diet, and workouts. And of course, here in Colorado Springs, at the home of the Olympic Training Center, we know that athletes are in constant training. We understand this. But what surprised me the most with what Janine Vickers had shared with me, is she told me that she had given up. In fact, she gave up multiple times. An Olympic medalist who gave up, you know? And I thought, what if she had just totally walked away from this? She may have never realized her dream of meddling in the Olympic Games. And so I asked her, what was it that brought her back when she would give up so many times? And uh, she looked across the table there, and her eyes began to well up with uh, tears, and I thought, oh man, I really blew it this time. My dad will never invite me back again. I'm about to make the keynote speaker at this, uh, this event cry here. And she looked across at her father, and uh, my dad and her father were friends. And she said, my dad believes in me. He believed in me when I didn't believe in myself. This very confident, Olympic medal-winning athlete was dependent upon her father's certainty that was more than just an empty belief, but it's based 
in love because this father knew what his daughter was capable of. This father understood who his daughter was. He knew her. And this is what Moses desires, friends. He has to know if God's presence will be with them because he knows that they will not make it without God. They need some form of certainty here because the only thing that Moses is certain about is that God's people will face more Red Seas. God's people will be threatened once again by the enemy. They will fail. They will be tempted to make for themselves the idols of their past life in Egyptian slavery. And so without the promise of God's presence, Moses says, don't even bother sending me, God. Don't even bother doing it. What will separate us? What will designate us as the people if you send us and you do not come with us? Because Moses knows we can't go unless God comes, which is the perfect moment for us this evening to download an app. At least that's what I call it. Applying God's word to our lives together tonight. And so how might we apply this good word? Well, Friends, certainty of God's gracious presence is something that people have always wondered. How can we know that God is present with us? How can we have any assurance at all of our own salvation? Well, the way that we discover this, I believe, is that we have to fall in love. And falling in love is a lot like the uncertain certainty of a roller coaster ride. In fact, falling in love means taking on a posture of love. And I believe we can discover what this posture of love might look like by just examining Moses' prayer in verse 13. Take a look again. Teach me your ways, Moses prays. Moses wants to know God's holiness. Moses wants to know God. He knows God's ways are different than his own ways. And Moses desires to know the very ways of God. God's nature, God's character. What does this mean? So that I may know you. And this desire is for a very intimate knowledge of God. In fact, the word know, yada, is used multiple times in this passage. And this word is a very intimate knowledge that we could share with anyone. In fact, when it's used with people, it's a very intimate knowledge of one another. It'd be like a married couple of 50 years or more. They don't even have to talk to each other anymore. It's not because they don't like each other, but they just know what each other's thinking. They just know each other so very well, and this is what Moses is praying, that I might know you so that I can continue to find favor with you. The continual presence of God is this favor. The word hen, which is often translated and understood as God's graciousness but used here for the word favor as well. In other words, this is affirmation of God's unconditionally generous nature. But this unconditional generosity, or this life in God's favor, is hard for some to imagine what it might look like. What does it look like to have this kind of a intimacy with God? To know God's holiness. To know that God loves us and that we love God in this kind of way, what would that relationship look like? Well, take a look at the rest of the story. Verse 19. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness 
to pass in front of you. And I will proclaim my name, the holy name, the Lord in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. And I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. Then the Lord said, there is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. What is the favor of God? What is the graciousness of God? What is this love of God? Well, it's uncertain certainty. Because love is both certainty and mystery. We don't see God's face, but he places us on a solid rock and shields us with his own hand. And while we don't fully understand, we know with all certainty that God is present. God sees his people, and he knows what Moses knows. They will fail, Moses included. But it's his love, his holiness, that constantly raises and lifts us up. It was the same 1992 Barcelona Olympic Games when another 400-meter runner who was uh, favored to medal um, had a pretty uh, unique experience with this truth that we're discovering today. It was Derek Redman. In fact, our president uh, shared his story, a very powerful story in video format, after suffering a very extreme hamstring injury in this 400-meter run. He attempted to get back up uh, tempted to try to finish it out, and after speaking with Janine Vickers, I mean, every day of your life, you're preparing for that moment. You know, it wasn't just a race that he just woke up for one day and decided to get into, but he'd been preparing his whole life. Of course he would try to finish. And it was his father, pictured with him here, who came to his aid to help see him through to the finish. You see, friend, everyone who was watching that moment witnessed something incredible. They witnessed the presence of a loving Father. And of course it was moving. Of course it was incredible. Because when we see someone who is down and out, who doesn't have direction, who's lost all, all possibility of attempting and meeting the goal, it was the Father who came and lifted him up, who raised him to a new place and gave him opportunity to see it through. So with everyone watching, this presence, this loving presence of this Father, and this, friends, is what we can find confidence in. And Moses said, now show me your glory. You see, friend, certainty is not full understanding. In fact, even when you graduate from NBC and have the fullness of understanding, uh, there'll still be a few things that you'll wonder about from time to time. And uh, even when you uh, graduate a few times or more and find yourself teaching here for no apparent reason, uh, but you'll be doing it anyway. And uh, even then, 
you may have some uncertain certainty. But you know, I think here in the final uh, days here of the trimester, and as uh, students are stressed about exegeticals and finals and those kinds of things, I think sometimes the weight of education is something that's sometimes unbearable. Sometimes we start the race strong. We're favored to medal. You know, we have great intention. Uh, we put our best foot forward. We give our best effort. But the reality is, is the trimester is long, right? And the professors are mean. And, uh, and life is tough. And the dark night of the winter is upon us. I'm getting some amens finally, right? Some amens. And it's in those moments, friend, that I think the Lord's word would want to remind us today that we didn't start this race, this journey, in order to have all of our questions completely and fully answered. But the reason every single one of us is in this place tonight, including yours truly, is because at some point we fell in love with Jesus. We just fell in love with Jesus. And it's that love that calls us to a faithful response. And if that response is preparation for ministry, or if that response is serving those among us, or if that response is proclaiming his good word, whatever the response is to God's love, it is worship. And what we do here at NBC is worship to the Lord, not for fullness of understanding, but simply to say, God, we acknowledge that you've called us and that you are with us. God desires for us to fall in love, but he won't force us to do so. In fact, he will not do that. But God will graciously reveal his unconditional favor toward us in the hopes that we will love him in return. It could be that the best response this evening is to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding to discover the uncertain certainty of love and simply embrace it. John? I believe that's a fitting benediction. JC, thank you for that. And thank you, Lord. The Lord has drawn us in here by his love. He sustains us by his love. And he carries us on to completion by his love. Thanks be to God. Father, we do thank you this evening for the opportunity that we have to come and hear your good word. And Lord, your word always challenges. It always encourages. And Lord, it draws us closer to the living God. Lord, our desire is for understanding. We desire to know you more, but Father, we know that we are limited in how much we can know you by how much you reveal yourself to us. But Lord, we know today that you have revealed yourself in all your fullness. And Lord, you've revealed your love to each and every one of us. And it's your love that's drawn us here. It's your love that sustains us while we're here. And it's your love that will carry us on to completion. Father, we thank you for your presence in this place. And we thank you for the confidence that we can have 
that your presence goes with us from this place. So, Lord, wherever we might find ourselves today, may we know that you set us near you on a solid foundation, and that your very hand covers us with protection, with love. And as you pass by, you remind us that you've never left us, but that you will go with us. And so, Lord, we know that the one who has started us on this journey is faithful to bring it to completion. And, Lord, we are thankful for that today. Lord, I do pray for strength for those who serve us as our instructors. Lord, I also pray for strength for those of us who desire to continue to learn and to grow in preparation of the ministry that you've called us to. Lord, would we not only start strong, but would we run the race with perseverance? And Father, would you take us on to completion in your love? There may be some here this evening who feel that they are at the very bottom of where they started. They've wondered if it's not closer to the beginning than the end. But Lord, I'm thankful today that you remind us that we are not in this alone, but we are in a relationship with the one who loves us most who loved us first, invites us to love you in return. So Lord, today, we pledge our heart as we give you our heart, we give you our soul, we give you all that we are, and we ask that you would use it to the glory of your kingdom. In Jesus' name, we pray these things together, and everyone said, amen. May God bless you. Thanks for coming to chapel this evening.